if you guys are local in the Utah area and you are looking to see some new uh, independent films, screenings from different Utah storytellers, come and check out the One Story Community live screening event on August 8th and 9th. Borderland, uh, Borland River Media and the Utah Film Center welcome you to the One Story, One Community celebration. We're going to get films from Angela Rosales Chalice, Alicia Farmer, Cole Glass, uh, panel discussions with local artists. Uh, myself and Chaz are going to be hosts for this. Uh, as well, Chaz, you're one of the people premiering, well, showcasing one of the films they put out, Night of Adventure, right? Yep, that is correct. And I will be on one of the panels as well. Yeah, it's, uh, this is the first hosting thing that I've ever done. And it's going to be interesting. To see, to see. For it? Oh, hell yeah. This is going to be really fun. It's all virtual, is it not? Yes, it is all virtual and it is free. All virtual, all free. Make sure to check it out on the 8th and 9th. You can check out more information on borlandrivermedia.com slash one community. Check it out there. What is up, my gaggle of geeks, and welcome to tonight's episode, where we're going to be talking about a bevy of things. We're going to be talking about Constantine possibly coming back with Keanu Reeves. We've got some uh, new Batman TV shows that are coming out, as well as Mission Impossible versus 007. And we've got a group of people here to discuss the ins and outs of those two franchises and which one stands a little bit taller than the other. Um, that's not a joke on Tom Cruise, by the way. I'm your host, Patrick, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chaz. How's it going, man? It's Friday. That's good. <laughs> it is Friday. This week seems so long. I don't know yeah. why, but it just, it felt like it went on forever. But Friday is the, is the good, maybe it's because last week we were off, so this was just kind of a long patch. But now we're back, and I'm excited with the two guests that I have here. First, she is the editor-in-chief of Bleeding Cool News, and I'm very happy that she's back with us. Caitlin Booth, how's it going, man? Uh, I'm all right. Just working and chugging along and, and, and doing the things. I'm actually double-checking your sources for the Keanu Reeves story right now on my phone. Oh, God. <laughs> and that is why she's the editor-in-chief, and that's why I bring her on, because often I'm wrong. Last time we, we used her story. actual article for it, which made it, <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> but um, also, uh, my second guest, you guys know her already. She's been on the show before. She's the host on, uh, co-host on B98.7. You know her from Movies That Make Us and the Multiplane Podcast. Welcome, Valerie Cameron. How's it going? Hello. How's it going? Ah, so well. I'm just excited to have you two here. This is a good group of people to talk about all of these topics today. I'm really curious to know, um, I, I know a little bit of Chaz's side on Mission Impossible versus Bond, but I'm very excited to jump in with you guys to find out more. But um, first, I guess let's go into the first story. And Caitlin, tell me, did, could you find anything? Was I out of it? It looks like this came from a comicbook.com, and I don't feel good about that either. <laughs> but... <laughs> um, I, the, the, well, I'm not seeing any really like super reputable sources confirming it. Mm. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely. I just, I'm definitely. See, we got this covered, but you never ever want to go to them. I know, right? I'm so glad that I didn't end up pulling up that link. That would have uh, been very embarrassing. My little new, my little noob, um, host over on Multiplane Podcast. Uh, I love you, Ty, but he posted something from them yesterday, 
Oh no. And <laughs> I thought I thought he knew. Oh, and no. a whole bunch of people called us out and I'm like, oh man. So I had to delete it and say, listen. <laughs> well, let's see at least what they're trying to to give us as as fresh news when it could be uh, doo-doo. Uh, they've been talking a lot about J.J. Abrams and what he's going to be doing with HBO Max and where, like, he's got a huge deal with Warner Brothers right now. A lot of it has been with the Green Lantern series with Jeff Johns. Uh, they've talked a little bit about maybe him spearheading some form of Superman, but Constantine's never really been on the radar. So um, let's start with Valerie. What do you think about Constantine coming back in this form? I know he was on the CW. Is this going to make him more popular? What, what's the idea? I mean, I feel like Constantine as a character is a popular character. It's a good story. It's a good character. Um, and I mean, if Keanu Reeves is really going to be, I mean, if all of the people that they say are involved in this project are actually involved, then I'm a fan. I, I maybe I'm the only person on the panel that's a J.J. Abrams fan. I don't care. Um, but I'm I like a fan JJ. of J.J. Abrams. Okay. So usually, you know, it's it's one in, in a group of five if you're talking like about Star Wars. I, I don't you. have a problem so, with JJ. I just, I, I have some criticisms of him, but I don't have a problem with him. Yeah. I mean, I think there are very few people that we would have a criticism of um, in this day and age, but I think JJ and Constantine and Keanu Reeves, I think, yes, I would like to see it. I'm not, I didn't immediately go, oh. So. <laughs> well, who all has seen the, uh, the Constantine with Keanu Reeves? Because I have not, honestly. Okay. Yeah, I have. Caitlin, what are your thoughts on the movie? Do you think that they're going to try to make it a sequel to this, or is it going to be its own thing? Honestly, I mean, the movie kind of came out in that time that was a little where comic book movies were a little ashamed to admit that they were comic book movies. There are elements of it that yeah. really, really work. Like Tilda Swinton in that movie is fantastic, playing a very androgynous archangel, which is just such a great way to to put it. But yeah. again, it, it's just it's not. Like I said, it's very much a product of its time in the good and the bad. It came out in, what, I think 2005, I want to say. And that was back when comic book movies yeah. weren't quite as proud and out to be comic book movies. You never would see anything like the Avengers coming out in 2005. This is when... You the, know, leather the, most suits. the leather suits. Yeah, the leather suit suits. <laughs> so, like, he didn't wear yeah, his, I, ju his I just thought it was an action anything. movie. Yeah, like, you would never know it was connected to a comic book at all because it didn't really embrace that... Now DC has been working on embracing their their comic book the comic bookness of their comic book movies, but I don't know I, I I don't know how I feel about this bringing back previous castings thing. It just it's mm, I don't know, and I'm also just a big fan of Matt Ryan, and I love what he's doing with the character on the TV show, and I really love him in Legends, and he's extremely passionate about the character. I've got to interview him a couple times. And it just, it's, it feels like yet again, the, the, the DC is like ashamed of their TV movie, uh, TV universe when they should be embracing it because their, their TV universe is actually probably stronger than their movie universe right now. Absolutely. Even their animation. I when don't it comes think to there's a probably, I don't know <laughs> that you need to use the word probably. I just think it is, <laughs> but it's very rare for any movie franchise to grab stars from tv like it doesn't happen very often no. whether it's marvel or you know um dc so you know for me and i and Reeves is hugely marketable i mean there was a time mm -hmm. where he was like not so marketable and yeah. he did all these like chick fix and he wasn't even main parts in these <laughs> movies 
Um, oh, and now he's marketable again. So I think they're thinking we need something that's a slam dunk because they've been shitting the bed. Yeah. So well, they, with this movies is, that aren't Wonder Woman. What's strange yeah. is I feel like all of these stories, like the Michael Keaton story, talking about introducing other Batman, they, they all like, there's like three that are maybe true, one that's a lie or the opposite in most of these cases. But there's always kind of like a jumble of the same kind of story, but with a different thing. Chaz, do you think this is just a fake thing from comic book? Like, well, they don't really have anything, but like a friend told me that J.J. Abrams, mm -hmm. and there's nothing else to it. Would you like to see this though? I mean, yeah, I, I like the idea of like, going to HBO Max, especially because like I didn't watch a TV show because it was on the CW, correct? It was actually on NBC. It was on NBC. Mm -hmm. um, so like, that's like, I don't know, they have like so much censorship and like TV rules that they have to abide by. Whereas with HBO Max, I mean, they could kind of dive into it, you know? I do um, recall them talking about Justice League Dark happening. That's on another one HBO that's Max. been... Is that tied in maybe? It's, it's like their startup? Justice League Dark is on the in, frankly embarrassingly long list of movies that are in development at, at <laughs> DC right now. Like, I think it was maybe two years ago or a year ago, I actually went through and like cataloged all of them. And it was like 20 different DC movies in various stages of development at any mm. given time. So, I mean, the I can- Flash I will was be in, coming out in. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was in- Hall H two years ago or three years ago and they flashed a whole bunch of DC logos up right before the DC section of the panel started and one of them was Justice League Dark and they've never mentioned it ever since. So it's like who even knows what Their is marketing going on? is so strange like that, right? There'll be one random bus stop that has this Zack Snyder poster or something. It's like, when did this happen? Then it turns out Boss Logic put something out or some fan stuck it mm -hmm. on. Maybe that's the case with this and somebody ran with it because we're in a pandemic and you need some damn news. But what do you guys think? Are you excited for it, Constantine? Leave your comments down below and let's move on to the next story where we're going to be talking about Matt Reeves' continuing possibly also in HBO Max. But this is a little more confirmed. The Batman TV spinoff series from Matt Reeves, Terrence Winter. It's going to be set at HBO Max and this should be a little bit like Gotham, but more focused on Gotham PD maybe kind of a Mindhunter series is what I was thinking to myself. But I wanted to uh, start with you, Chaz. What do you think of, uh, first, we've been covering this for a while. The Batman news is not going anywhere. And it seems like now we're learning more that they're connecting a universe, big screen and small screen. Do you think this will help the franchise? What's happening with Batman? I think it's a good start for it. I mean, because if with Robert Pattinson's his early years of being Batman, right? Speculated. And so if this is to diving into that universe, I think that's a really good uh, opportunity to explore that because I think that Gotham show tried to do that and it set it up kind of wonky. And mm -hmm. so, um, and going back to like it being on HBO Max, I mean, I think they could go a little bit darker with it if they wanted to, because from what I'm understanding is the Batman movie itself is going to be a new dark take on it. Yes, so. whether they're going rated R dark take, I'm not sure. But no, Terrence no. Winter is no, there's not a chance no. in yeah. hell. <laughs> <laughs> but Terrence Winter did Boardwalk Empire and The Sopranos, Caitlin. I think if they did and go it's dark, HBO. Honestly, I think it's going to be rated R. Like to think that it's going to go to HBO and not be rated R. That's what they do. They take yeah. everything and they sex it up and they like that's. That's what I don't, I mean, I'm all for sex, right? But I really don't want them to take this 
and sex it up. I just want it to, I want to love Batman again. I really, yeah. I have this like inside, this yearning inside of me to really want to love Batman again. And so I love that if HBO gets it and they tell the story that, and all the stories that we have wanted to be told and they go a darker route, but I don't want them to put their sex HBO spin on it. Put it on everything else. Just we get not some this. Carl Grissom ass shots in this. <laughs> Ooh, my, my, my animated TV series writer, shots. My TV editor, Ray Flick, described this show as homicide life on the streets crossed with the wire than a Gotham rehash, which I think is pretty much <laughs> what they're going to be going Damn, for. Damn, that's fine. a good one. That's good. This is, why, this is why I hired these people. Uh, and that's that's a, a good angle. I'm all for it. Let's see what happens. I I showed up six months on the late to the to the party and, and finally finished Watchmen this week. So uh, at this point, DC on HBO can do no wrong for me. Mm -hmm. That show is amazing. Yeah, I mean, if they go with that, Watchmen blew me away. And I mean, I had to watch some of the episodes twice um, because they were just amazing, both story-wise, cinematography, everything. So if they follow along with that line, then mm -hmm. great. So yeah. we'll see. They're yeah, going to keep it's, Jeffrey Wright and his James Gordon for this too. And he's apparently going to be, I don't know if he'll be the main character or just involved in it kind of like how nick fury was in with agents of shield for like a couple episodes but it'll be it'll be interesting what were you gonna say though caitlin sorry oh i don't even remember now <laughs> well that's me later guys that's the end of the show yep. Bye. <laughs> no i i don't know i don't have much else to say about this does it feel like they're going like it feels a little repetitive to me a little with gotham I know yeah. Gotham's about a young Bruce Wayne and introducing all of those aspects to it, but I don't know. It's very similar. What What do you think they're going to tie into this that will travel into the movie? Because I know we'll have stuff one way or the other. Do you think they'll do the same? Honestly, the DC universe is so massive and expansive, and they've only explored a very, very small corner of it. Uh, the only thing I, I mean, as, if this had taken part in any other part of the DC universe, I would be more interested, to be honest. But, like, I guess I'm just kind of all Batmaned out, personally. I want to see some other parts of the DC universe. I want to see where parts where it gets weird. Because mm -hmm. it gets really weird. And, like, embrace the weirdness. Give us a like, Sandman series. I don't know why we haven't done the Joseph Gordon-Levitt Sandman thing that was going to happen a while back. There is a Sandman series in development. Yes. That. See, those are the kind of stories that I think would work well on HBO Max. But this, it's, a lot of this seems like the DC execs feel like they know everything about their characters, but have read one or two comics and are like, yeah, we get it. But the rest is just kind of pure based on nostalgia. Like, I don't know. We'll see where they go with this. It is going into a new Batman, so we'll see. But moving into... Uh, delay story because we always get these now uh halloween and Candyman were pushed back by universal we did get a halloween clip i wanted to talk a little bit about that because it was it was a spicy clip and jamie lee curtis being grambo and taking down everybody i i'm very excited for this um caitlin you saw the the film the first halloween what do you think about them delaying these it's pretty expected right at this point, I'm not expecting anything to come out. <laughs> just any and any movie at this point. Like even just today, like I think within an hour before us starting recording, they delayed Monster Hunter to April of next year. Sony did, so it's like 
at this point. Just yeah, I'm I'm I Val. I have no idea what our our winter season is going to look like. I don't know if we're even going to have. I mean, none of you are gonna go to the theater this weekend to see Relic. Nobody was excited about this. This was not on your radar. <laughs> Relic. I'm excited for Relic. But it it's looks on good. VOD. But it opened I, I, today in the theater, so you can go see that. That's a new movie. Yeah, it's. I want to see it, but I, I'm not comfortable going into the theaters right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, not with Utah and their new cases. States. 867 new cases today. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I stayed home and watched um, the the new Greyhound movie on Apple today. So. I'm going to watch Tom the new Charlie's Theron movie on, on Netflix today. Ooh, Chaz, you were actually talking about that. Uh, what what was it called again? Uh, it's The Old Guard, I think is what it's called. Yeah. yeah. I have to wait till Very tomorrow cool. to see that one. I promised someone, so. <laughs> nice. I watched like 20 minutes of it during work today. And I'm like, this is so action-packed. I have to like pay attention. So I put it on hold. <laughs> <laughs> Which are you more excited for between Halloween or Candyman, Chaz? Halloween, man. Like, I think Candyman's going to be great. Um, just because I think that is a movie that could explore like a lot of relevant themes in today's societies, especially. Um, I'm surprised they didn't push that back a year or two. I'm surprised they only pushed that back a month. But I, I think Halloween, like I almost cried watching that teaser and then they're like, oh, October 2021. I was like, no, like this is serious. Like this is actually <laughs> happening Yep. Things are getting you, delayed. You, you reacted exactly like one of my writers did. He was like, this was the last thing I was holding on to. I was like, that's adorable. What's it like to have hope? Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I, I thought about crying. But then, like, I saw Halloween release, like, their, their press release, which I thought was really cool um, and very professional. And I'm surprised. The way they addressed it. Yeah, they addressed it. And they're just like, we want people to see this in the theaters. And they mentioned it's going to be an IMAX. Like, they could have deal with IMAX. So, dude, sold on that. <laughs> I like IMAX, but mm. I think I'm curious for Candyman, and I don't know if they're going to push Candyman back with it or if they're going to release Candyman on VOD. I'll be sad if it's on VOD, honestly, because I think that'd be a fun theater experience as well. Mm. Definitely. Well, also the Forever Purge is coming. Valerie, what do you think of more purges? <laughs> they're just going to keep making them. In this article, <laughs> I was looking down. I was like, they're also bringing in the Forever Purge. Oh, my God. This is what Ugh. I think. Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. I'm not, you guys are all, I'm not, I'm not a horror film fan. I'm not so, either. <laughs> and the only Halloween movie that I've seen in the theater was the latest Halloween movie. And where a lot of fans didn't like it, I guess, I freaking loved it. I was like, she's kicking everybody's butts. This is awesome. And then like some other fans were like, it just doesn't follow what the story is. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever. I remember seeing Candyman in the theater when I was younger and it scared the poop out of me. So with that one, I actually have like you know, this, these feelings in this aftermath of it. So I kind of want to see if it will still scare the crap out of me, but I think the purge movies are stupid, but I'm sure they're not to <laughs> some people. It's just not, it's not my, it's not my jam. I think yeah. even the people that watch them have a little bit of like, you know, they, they, a little self-awareness, but not a no. lot, but the forever purge, isn't that just war at a certain <laughs> point? Like it's just, that's the end. I feel like it's too close to home. I feel like there's like a small neighborhood in Draper where these people <laughs> live and they're just waiting 
for this to happen in Utah with everything that's going on. Like, I feel like there are real communities just waiting, especially in the South, just waiting for this real purge to happen. Mm -hmm. So to me, it kind of gives me anxiety. Like, why are you giving them ideas? It's like watching shows <laughs> on, on the news when they, when they show you how to put a bomb together. And I'm like, why are you showing us how to build a bomb on the news? You shouldn't be, you sh these should be secrets that you're keeping. Fuck you! I'm trying like to help you, motherfucker! It's all those people. people. <laughs> no, they're just giving stupid people ideas. I, I'm yeah. not for it at all. Can't you see that, you son of a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I don't get them. I just don't, I don't get people that look at films like this and they're like, hmm. And they just start John down notes. But you know that they are in a Walking Phoenix Joker-like level where they're like, hmm. I... The guy yeah. literally brought one of those like Joker clown masks to one of the initial riots that happened at the end of May and set a car on fire. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Well, Phillip's let's like, not go for another purge because we're about to enter into one on our own. Um, but <laughs> for real. The, 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 the final thing that I wanted to bring up, just because it's an interesting take, just from a filmmaking perspective, Zendaya and John David Washington made a film during quarantine. Like they made a full feature film uh, with Euphoria creator Sam Levinson. It started as Zendaya, basic, Zendaya basically calling him and challenging him to make a movie during quarantine. And during that time, they, they took over the Caterpillar house that's famous um, in uh, Carmel, California. And between June 17th to July 2nd filmed this. It's one of the first that's been done during quarantine and kind of like a, a example of what we could see moving into it but uh, i wanted to start with you valerie what do you think about this film it seems like it's kind of going on a marriage story feel but um do you think that this is kind of the new route that they're going to have to take for quarantines and stuff like that i mean i haven't seen the film i have seen some documentaries that have made been made during this time um about a lot of different things about black lives matters about you know covid and all that stuff and i mean i think we've always been making movies this way we've always every time we've been put in a situation where we can't do things the way we normally do creative people filmmakers storytellers always find a way to tell a story so yeah i mean we're just evolving and you know filmmakers have been making movies like this because none of us really have money in the beginning so like this is how we originally made movies as we made them at home on the weekends with our friends with whatever we had around the house so i you know they happen to have cooler friends and cooler technology and a little more money but i i say go with it like if you're going to create good content don't wait for a studio to say you can so i'm all for it like you know create it but i haven't seen it so i can't give you like if it's good or not yeah i think the quality one of my, sorry go ahead well one of my writers is also a he does tv work and comic work and all that stuff uh he and a and a director friend of his they filmed an entire web series over zoom over the past couple of weeks and that's that that was something that they were doing over quarantine so it's not unheard of it's just the matter of the fact that people like zendaya and the son of denzel washington have the money to just you know get on amazon and order a high quality camera and have it not be a problem so mm -hmm. i don't know it's having talked to somebody i know who who does extra work in pa work in hollywood and everything who's been out of work for months now she's a little frustrated by stuff like that because she's like 
why do they get to work but I can't? Because I have to, you know, abide by, you know, what the SAG, by what SAG says. And, you know, so I, I understand both sides of it. In, in some sense, you know, yeah, you know, people are going to create, they, good, I'm glad people are creating, that's awesome. But at the same time, small productions like that being held by, you know, the top 1% really just kind of cuts out a lot of the lower paying jobs and a lot of extras and a lot of people who are just trying to kind of make it into the industry. So I, I have mixed, I have mixed feelings about the whole thing. They're going for a much smaller crew with most of these. And even yeah. in the case of the Mandalorian with their 360 degree set, like they have the ability to make a lot of things not needing people involved. And you're right, that does take away a lot of jobs and, and even even in other industries as well, Chaz. But what do you think of, of, I guess, the direction that they took with this? Do you see larger budget films scaling down because this is kind of the largest route they can go? I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. I mean, oh my God, there's a duck. <laughs> I I think because they say like twelve people, no more than twelve people were allowed on this set, and but then mm. I'm like that that is the indie route, yeah. you know. But like yeah. they do have money, which is not the indie route. <laughs> There's mm. like a huge difference there. And it's I mean, like you're gonna have people doing, you know, one person doing three, you know, the jobs of three different people. Are they gonna be getting compensated for doing the jobs of yeah. three different people? Yeah. So it's like, because mm, yeah, I mean, know. again, it's just us. It's just like my filmmaker friends that I know that made movies do during quarantine with the amount of people that they said could be around each other. They all had masks and they're making it for no money. I mean, it's, just, it's like guerrilla filmmaking again, except for, like you said, they all happen to have money and cooler friends. And if they put it on their Twitter and say, hey, look what I did, they've got millions of people that will yeah. look at it. And I mean, I'm I'm conflicted too, just because like, I'm all for if you have the resources, like use your resources and don't exactly. feel bad about it. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I don't, that's a bigger conversation, which I would probably get in an argument. <laughs> it kind of, it, I don't know. It kind of reminds me, I, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, the biggest box office hit was some independent film because these filmmakers bought out an entire theater. Mm -hmm. And that's how they made the news. Yeah, and it was like some no-name film, and I think yeah. that's that's more fun than reading about people having money making films. <laughs> no, that's know. a good point. I'm. This is why I have all of you here because I don't think we could have dug into a take like that with with this topic. I'm. Yeah, that's awesome. What do you guys think about this? Is this the new route? Is the, what do you think about the consequences of having a smaller set during a pandemic? trying to make these things work, whether they be intentional or unintentional problems, leave a comment down below. And with that being said, we have to go into our movie court decisions. I don't know if it's a decision. It's a thing. 007. Oh, I didn't do the thing. Shoot. You have to do so many stuff. That Now that's on. Okay. So today we are going to be talking about gadgets. 007 versus it's it, like and comment and subscribe <laughs> <laughs> see what Smash we do for you like please patrick yeah. has spent all of his money on gadgets i have so we cannot subscribe. we cannot eat i we resorted to eating ramen and my blood blood pressure is through the roof 
please help me. Um, no, today we're talking about Mission Impossible versus 007, which came from Chaz. You you approached this along with a very long, drawn out, and frankly, productive in the fact that I learned how to make a lot of pizzas. Dumb <laughs> argument about pineapple on pizzas. So where do we go from there to 007 and Mission Impossible? Um, I think it's because it was around the same weekend. And that weekend I was watching Mission Impossible and I'm like, okay, but like, which one's better? And so I did a little thing on Facebook and dude, it was split. And I did a thing on Twitter and it was split. And I'm like, yes, this I didn't put the, the image answer. up, but tell us what the poll was for that. So you were talking about, and we have to look at the merits for all of these. And, and this won't be a pitch slap, but it'll be kind of a version where we all will kind of present our arguments and then just debate the merits on them. Um, but what, what did the poll say? If you need a, a little bit to... Um, well, so on Twitter, I think 55% said it was uh, James Bond. Wow. 55, yeah. Close. And I think it was, I don't know, it was 30 something submission possible. And like maybe two was like both. So I left that as an option to be nice, even mm. though there is no both. So yeah. I wish you could then, disable those options. What yes did you learn? Yeah. Don't be nice. <laughs> Don't be nice. Well, so then that's, that's what started the whole pineapple wars because like it was that same night where I said something about pineapples and Patrick went off on like pineapples being gross or whatever. And I'm like, here's, no, no, here's what I'll no, say. Here. That's, this isn't the fight we're having right now. And <laughs> no, we're going to go not. into a huge thing. Pineapple and tomato sauce don't go together. That's all I'll say. If you want a Hawaiian <laughs> pizza, put on teriyaki sauce for the base, you know? But like, I don't think you weird. should tell me how to live my life. I think <laughs> I That's what happened. That's how this all started. We were, we were, I literally made, have you seen Curb, this last season of Curb? I was yes. making spite pizzas, like pizzas mm -hmm. out of pure hatred and spite for Chaz to be like, I will make sure that this does not work. And it ended oh. up with me liking the pizzas. That's all we're talking about for this though. We're done. Fuck this it, shit. it was like Mocha Joe versus Latte Larry. <laughs> it was, it was too much. But with this, I, I want to pass it to you guys and first discuss the merits because i was talking about first the leads you've got tom cruise and you have a bevy of different people that really have like 007 is so much different of a character in the way that anybody can blend into the character when with ethan hunt that is inherently tom cruise so which is more preferable as far as the long run and and does that diminish the films as they change from character to character well how far are we going back are we going to back to the the original Mission Impossible, or are I've we just, just got doing Daniel Craig up because um, we've not discussed anything with this. So we if okay, you want to so we're doing Daniel Craig, Craig against Tom Cruise. I think that's like, a fair that fight. Said with those, okay. I think I would, a, I would that, consider that, that a fair, fair fight. fight because because it's Mission a shorter Impossible. fight. I was, yeah, I was about to say <laughs> no it's a small intended. fight. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was getting Tom ready, Cruise. like I was getting ready to go all the way back, and like you've got two women on a show about two <laughs> movies that used to be like the most sexist movies in the world. <laughs> Let's ooh, go! But if we're gonna ooh. stay, if we're gonna stay within, <laughs> if we're gonna stay within this little parameter of less sexist movies, then okay, we can we can mm. do that. Well, you know, I think it's that, fair though. That's because the problem with 007, right? The further yeah. back you go, the worse your your argument's going to be. You know, the harder mm -hmm. it's going to be to really debate it. So I guess Daniel Craig was the least awful to women. So we'll stick with that, I guess. But with well, Ethan Hunt, he they haven't done a lot of good with female characters until Ghost Protocol, no? Or was it Rogue Nation that introduced Rebecca Ferguson? 
it was Rebecca uh, Ferguson. She was in Rogue Nation, but they did because straight that, up um, episode, the third one, they just shoot the wife immediately. Like I don't know. I, I have opinions about uh, Mission Impossible versus Please James tell Bond, me. and I only sense, came on this um, podcast today because you were here because I wanted to hear your opinions. That's the only reason I'm here. Okay, yes. so, I'm just well, gonna sit back. I'm gonna sit back and watch Caitlin get on her soapbox again. You actually inspired my Evergreen article for the week too for for work. So thank you for that. Oh, um, uh, so one thing that I am the easiest lay in the world for is a good team dynamic and. I actually feel that the Mission Impossible movies got better, which means from four on, so four, five, and six are infinitely better than one, two, three, because they stopped trying to be James Bond. Mm. I'm actually going to be the centrist here and that there is room for both of them, but I find Mission Impossible infinitely less interesting to watch when it is another one man against the world type thing, because if I want to watch one man against the world, I will just watch a James Bond movie. And one of my biggest frustrations with uh, the Daniel Craig movies has been they have this fantastic supporting cast that just never ever gets used because the setup of a James Bond movie is one man against the world. So hmm. I actually, I, I kind of resent the later Daniel Craig Bond movies because I'm like, you have Naomi Harris and you've got Ben Wishaw and they're like just standing there not doing anything and I want to know more about them than I want to know more about James Bond, which is why I actually prefer the latter Mission Impossible movies because I like watching characters bounce up against each other. I thought they got better when they brought in James, uh, when they brought in um, Simon Pegg in a bigger role. I like that they brought in Jeremy Renner. I, I like that they brought in Rebecca Ferguson and and that kind of stuff just appeals to me more. It's my, my weak sp spot, I guess, is just any form of team dynamic is infinitely more interesting to me. So I kind of come down on Mission Impossible, but the later Mission Impossibles, <laughs> because yeah. I like watching that team dynamic and I feel like Mission Impossible got better when they stopped trying to be James Bond. Mm -hmm. It's kind of tough to say that the earlier Bond are the best too because Quantum of Solace is not one that we can really talk about as like, oh, and that sequel wasn't fantastic. It really went Casino Royale, Skyfall, and eh, Spectre. Like most people were pretty lukewarm on Spectre. If not, they just didn't, flat out didn't like it. But the one yeah, thing that Spectre. Bond does, I think, maybe better is, is with his, like, iconic gadgetry and, like, his villains to play devil's advocate. Because I do agree, the, the latter Mission Impossibles do beat Bond because Bond just doesn't really evolve that much and doesn't do a lot to help his team. It's much more just his thing and, like, Lone Warrior and stuff. But, Val, what do you think between the two? So for me, and I'll probably get some hate mail for this, I didn't realize that like either of these movies, <laughs> um, I didn't realize that either of these movies were hugely sexist until way later in life because I'm a huge action film movie lover and I have been since I was little. I have been watching James Bond with my dad since I was born. Like he is a huge 007 fan. He has all the movies. I bought him most of the movies, the posters, all this stuff. Like we were waiting for it to come out at the Megaplex and do like the whole marathon. Mm -hmm. We were waiting for that before COVID. So for me, there's a ton of nostalgia there in that I would watch these movies with my dad. You know, I didn't like, I, these women were beautiful. I didn't know till later that they really had nothing uh, there. They had one purpose, like really, that's what their purpose was. Mm -hmm. But for me, 
Um, I feel like James Bond movies, especially in the newer movies, and I know you just listed a whole bunch that people don't like. I like all of them um, for, for different reasons. I won't get into all of it, but I feel like James Bond movies are are written and shot and based on who James Bond is is after and what female is going to help him get to the bad guy, right? And now the females are getting stronger, they're getting more intelligent and all of that. Where I feel like Mission Impossible movies are, let's see what stunt we want Tom Cruise to do. <laughs> we want stunt one, stunt two, stunt three, and stunt four. And then we're gonna write the movie around the stunts and which is fine because oh, yeah. it's freaking awesome <laughs> if you're an action movie lover when he's hanging from that mountain you're just mm. like fuck yeah you know like <laughs> so so for me i think it just depends on on how you like your stories written because mm. they both have huge holes and huge flaws because mm. they're not really written about anything important but they get you to feel like it's important for me. However, I've been a little more entertained with the last two Mission Impossible movies more than the last two James Bond movies. But mm. because I do have that, like my dad and I and all of that, I, I have to pick James Bond just because of that mentality. Whereas I think Hunt has better action, a little better cinematography, except for Skyfall had some fantastic mm. cinematography it's because um, and they don't have the yeah. they don't have bond beat by the music either some of the, some of the music when they do their songs in each one they're a little bit iffy Adele, yeah, but they're I don't always really different care for, you know? yeah i don't really care for the newest i billy eilish is fine um, uh, <laughs> i definitely like i definitely like her song more than sam smith which mm. i'm mm. i'm a sam smith fan um but yeah, I just feel like the the 007 songs used to have a little more meat in them, and I feel like lately it's a little more, I'm really sad and pasty. That's how I feel. <laughs> well, Tom Cruise, between him, and you brought up a great point about action between these two films. One of them feels a lot more real, and you see a lot more enthusiasm in your actor doing it. it borderline insanity with one of them. He like he's insane. hopping on, when it comes to Daniel Craig, when someone asks him to do it, oh, he's like, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. He really doesn't want to, but Tom Cruise, and he will jump, he will crash, break his foot. That's what he did in the last movie, I believe. Mm -hmm. Totally crashed and broke yeah. it in a few places. And like a part of it is just maybe the circus aspect of just, I want to see what this dude does next for me and puts his life in danger. Like, jumped off of a building and went through a window like he went <laughs> down and then to Simon Pegg like into the window right. and you know this was his pitch he was like you know what I he's got this is my old school phone by the way kids don't do this anymore they just do this you lame know. this is the phone Hello? so this I'm is Tom Cruise on the phone he's like you know what I really have always wanted to hold on to the side of an airplane. Do you think we could come up with the movie <clears throat> money for the next Mission Impossible? Because I really, really want to hang off the side of a plane. And they're like, yes, we can. And that's how that whole movie happened. Yeah. They didn't have anything else done. That was it. And that was, a, that was enough for all of us. I was like, I got this idea. Let's start the helicopter, but I'm not in it yet. Okay, 
and then we have it go, and I'm just hanging the whole time. I get up on the helicopter, and the people are like, your insurance is through the roof, dude. We can't, oh, can't keep doing imagine. this. He doesn't care. I can't even imagine what Paramount's, like, the gray hairs their legal department must have just by like, dealing with that stuff. Like, one of the best joys of my life was going to CinemaCon, I think, two years ago, and Macquarie and Cruz came out and, like, took over the Paramount presentation and spent, like, 20 full minutes going over how they were doing the sky jump from fallout and like explaining okay well they did this and at one point the camera was like three inches away from his face as they were falling out of the airplane and i'm just like these two are having the time of their lives like they're having so much fun like like tom is just living his best life and his best life is just going to potentially get him killed one of these days he's, he's i just so want to know fun. what the high low is the crew on the set always has a high low is if this is this going to be the movie that kills Tom Cruise? What's your high and low? And at the end of the picture, there's a bunch of people that collect a bunch of money that has nothing to do with their paychecks. He's just trying so to transcend. He's like, he's I just trying Sam to transcend. Has talked about this before, where he was like, there were at points where like a stunt will start, and everyone like members of the cast will go, "Wait, Tom is doing what?" <laughs> And they all just stand by and go, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, and it's, and, and maybe they are just writing around these action movies, but, uh, action scenes, but, you know, Macquarie has done such a good job these last two movies. I mean, there's a reason why they pretty much begged him to come back and then begged him to come back and do two more. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're working. They're working extremely well. Fallout was a massive movie. I think that movie made like 800 million at the worldwide box office. Like that's huge, mm -hmm. huge. So they're doing something right. Yeah. I mean, and I'm I would, kind of, yeah. I'm kind of going back. It's like, Cause you said that like they write around the action sequences that Tom wants to do. And Macquarie has been on record saying that like there wasn't a script, like a full script written for fallout and it's being written as it was going. And I'm like, who the fuck gives that money? That's like, that's a huge budget movie. And the studio has that much trust in them to pull that off with like mm -hmm. no, foundation of a script like that's crazy yeah yeah well and i've had to pull like my job in the past has been having to like pull budgets for scripts like you read a script and you have to put together like some kind of budget about what this is going to be like so that you can <laughs> go and get the money and i just want to know when they had the scene of how many cars are you going to wreck in the in this scene when they have just the elevator of cars and they're like and what kind of cars are they gonna be like mm -hmm. me as a script as the script producer i'm thinking wait what oh, <laughs> yeah man. these are all these are all 30 to hundred thousand dollar cars and you want me to wreck how many of them <laughs> yep and we're gonna have to do this how many times to make sure that we get the shot Okay. Well, and some of those are fake, like they rebuild them and they're on, you know, rigging and all that kind of stuff. But still, like, there's three scenes in that movie that you know they could only shoot that once or they were totally screwed. But it reminds me, like, I think the last, um, the last movie for Mission Impossible really got su super close to that new Netflix movie for me, which I think is like the best action movie ever. And that's Extraction. And it's directed by... Um, uh oh my gosh what's his name he's a new director he's been he's been a um this is when my brain shuts off for the day because i've been up since 3 a.m but um he was the um 
<laughs> stunt coordinator for most of the Avengers movies. And so he's now a stunt coordinator that's a director of this movie and an extraction. This should have been a Tom Cruise movie, but the actual director is holding the camera as he sits on the front of a Jeep and they do one shot around the court. And I'm like, uh, like Sam this Hargrave. is where... Sam Hardgrave, thank you. Sam Hardgrave, he is freaking amazing. If you're not following him on Instagram, you need to do it because he has behind the scene videos of how they shot that film. And I was like, how did Tom Cruise not know this man exists? Because they're like besties. They're meant to be like together. I think we've all pretty much landed on Mission Impossible, no? That's what it feels I, like, I'm at least for action. the last one. If we're going by action, if we're yeah, going by action, Yeah, the last few. Yeah. And if we were to look at a graph, I mean, it's fair to say they're kind of going at a cross. Like, hopefully Bond is going to be good. We don't know yet because that, unfortunately, was COVID delayed. But, but. Here's, here's the thing, though. So Casino Royale came out in 2006, right? And that's when Mission Impossible 3 came out. And that's actually when J.J. Abrams got to start in, like, feature films. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that, I think, 3 was such a huge tone tonal difference than like one and two because two was like cheesy as hell with like slow motion motorcycles and like doves flying everywhere but you can and, say the same for casino royale versus the the previous bond right right with, with Pierce Bronson. yeah mm -hmm. and so i think i this is why i think it's a fair comparison with uh daniel craig and like mission impossible because mission impossible only had two films then and it it screams like 90s and early 2000s with those like that's like Pierce Bronson level of James Bond, you know? Yeah. Mm. And I think with that in mind, Casino Royale is a pretty straightforward film. It's really good. And the same thing with us. Uh, uh, I, th I like the third Mission Impossible. Like, I, I think it was a nice step up from like the Philip Seymour Hoffman's fantastic in it. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I noticed with James Bond is that the action does increase. Like in Quantum mm -hmm. Solace, like we're introduced to that intense car yeah. sequence in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And I think even in Skyfall uh, and like, I haven't seen Spectre yet, but I imagine like the, the action sequences are still escalating. But as somebody mentioned, like, the story's kind of gone downhill. And for me on a technical thing, I don't, so like I watch Mission Impossible movies like on the surround sound in my apartment, right? And like, mm -hmm. I don't have to fluctuate with the sound. Whereas if I'm watching Bond movies, they talk so fucking quiet. And it's like the most uh, random, like, yes yes, I will do that. I'm like, what, what the fuck are you saying, dude? Like, I have to turn it up. And it doesn't help. They have like very thick British accents. So it annoys me to watch James Bond movies for that reason. Is I do that, think like, that one yeah. reason that people don't like the latter James Bond movies is because a lot of people don't like to see their heroes fall. They don't like to see them disintegrate. And what I like about the latter James Bond movies is because they are showing yeah. a little bit of his weaknesses and they're pulling them apart a little bit. And honestly, if I needed to be saved somewhere and this is comes out of the action part if i need to be saved somewhere i think i would rather have daniel craig's but james bond have to be in charge of saving me than tom cruise and Good his point. character so unless you're strapped I, to I a nuke like they're not when, helping you in mission impossible when, yeah really it's in and, and he does need all of his friends whereas james bond um in the last three movies he's gonna get there like no matter what even if he kills himself he's gonna get there to get you um because that's how they've created the arc of his character and i know there's a lot of holes and a lot of people can pull it apart with um 
the storyline, but I love the fact that he used to be this big debonair guy that didn't share his feelings and that just, you know, he got in, he was good, got in and got out of every situation. <laughs> um, and now like he's got some flaws and he's got some angst and he's got some deep, dark, like holes that he's got to deal with, but he still deals with his shit. Like for me, I like that. And he still looks hot. He still has the great cars and the women are still smarter than him. So like, I'm okay with with the section that James Bond is going in. But if I had to have one of them save me, it would be Daniel Craig's James Bond over Tom Cruise. Mm. That's a good point. Is Spectre even that interesting of a villain? Uh, I really didn't like Spectre. Here's what Spectre is. Spectre is trying to go back to the previous James Bond, but in kind of like a tribute. Spectre is trying to make the James Bond movies into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. The wrong A weird way to connect everything. Yeah, I think they should have chosen a different path. Yeah, they... they, How do you mess up Christoph Waltz as a villain? Yeah, really. It's Christoph Waltz. The guy won, like, two Oscars in three years. How do you mess that up? (laughs) How is he bad in that movie? It it, it frankly astounds me. But it's like... The one thing that I felt the Craig Bonds have been doing is kind of chasing trends a bit. Um, I don't remember who... I can't remember the writer. That parkour this, scene Casino, isn't, is, isn't dated? Casino <laughs> Royale is trying to be Batman Begins. Quantum mm, of Solace yep. is trying to be the Bourne movies. Skyfall is trying to be the Dark Knight. And the uh, Inspector is trying to be the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's like, the one thing I'm looking forward to in No Time to Die is hoping that they don't chase a trend again. I want to see just... I just James hope they Bond kill him. Movie. <laughs> I hope they can. No, I'm serious. I, oh, I'm, I'm serious. With I'm with you. Like seriously. Because they want they want to move it along. They want to <laughs> they want to I don't like that at all. Don't ever do that. Um uh but they're trying they're trying to wrap this up and move on to someone else and he needs to die. Yeah. And I think if they kill him in this movie, like they're really saying that they're into, you know, changing this up. And mm-hmm. I really think for Bond fans, like, I think that's where we need to go. Like, exa- yeah. it's the same thing at, in Endgame. Like, you don't want people to die, but at the same time, you're like, it's time. Like, we need yeah. some of these people to die because we need to move on and tell different stories. And I think the way that they've created this character in James Bond with Daniel Craig, it only suits his storyline to kill him. If they don't kill him, I'll be a little disappointed. And I, I, I'll give them all the, the stones in the world because that'll be a ballsy as hell. Yeah. Movie, <laughs> and that's dope. what I want movies to do is like get some fucking balls, you know? Yeah. Like I we haven't, we've had maybe five or six movies in the last 10 years that have had balls to do what they need to do when it comes to mainstream movies. And I think this would be absolutely amazing. But you know, like there'll be a huge group of people that hate it. And then mm-hmm. as soon as they you know, go off into their other universe of James Bond, they'll just be crybaby babies. But you know what, people, this is a world of change. If mm-hmm. 2020 has taught you nothing, get used to change. Because <laughs> yep. change is happening. Yeah. Wear and it's mask. good change. Oh. <laughs> oh my God, thank you so much. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. Wear your I damn th- mask. Wear I your think- damn masks. <laughs> I think Kerry Fukunaga, though, is a really good choice if it wants to go in that direction. Yeah. No, agreed. He's a very bold director. 
But what do you guys think in the comments down below between Mission Impossible 007? I think we get, we got a well-rounded opinion on both sides of this. And I'm really thankful that we were able to do that. Uh, once again, thank you to my guests. And let's jump into the viewer question and then- Wait, we'll... wait, wait, wait. What? What was, what was Richard's <laughs> since he couldn't make it? Oh yes, I forgot to tell you. So I, I spoke with Richard uh, Bonaducci, who was originally going to be on the show. He'll be on the show next week. And he wanted to make sure to leave his thoughts on it, which <laughs> of course was he did. Yeah, it, it's. It, I don't think he. I don't think he wanted to be as as funny, but it was just very plain and simple. Mission Impossible. It's just that Ethan Ethan Hunt gets it. So, I if that levels it up, I believe. I think me and Val were a little bit more on the Bond side, and and Caitlin and Chaz were more on Mission Impossible, and that tipped it over. So, we all are winners. Woohoo! that was movie court but let's move on <laughs> i'm just glad that because remember about when we tried movie court and we we're like nope that didn't work just moved on to the next segment <laughs> which well, time I did. was that and it scarred me it was for like a very the first time. time that we did movie court what were we talking about again i don't even remember i don't remember because i blocked it from my memory i was like oh no that was half the show <laughs> awesome though uh let's go into the viewer question um and this comes to us from our rundown that we typed because it comes from us. You read a lot about how studio meddling ruins a lot of films, but which ones were made better by studio meddling? I can think Broke of one, one right off the bat, and to me it was <laughs> World War Z with all of the stuff and studio meddling that they had to go through with that film. It still ended up being something that most people thought would have been a train wreck, but it ended up being a pretty good film, and a lot of people wanted to see a sequel for it. So I'll leave that to you guys. Studio meddling does mess with a lot of films and we've seen backlash to extreme degrees on some cases, but we've also seen some success stories where we learned later on maybe that there's a lot of onset problems and a lot of things that were, were changed at the last minute. We were just speaking about Mission Impossible. Rogue One. No. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Rogue yeah, One's a great it, example. Yeah, Lucasfilm yeah. came in and and made that movie have the absolutely incredible third act that it has. Um, I mean, they had the balls to kill everybody. <laughs> see, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, see, Double Seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like uh, when you read, like there there are some stuff that I would still love to see that were in the trailers of Rogue One that never got released. Uh, I will die on the Rogue One is the best Star Wars movie hill. Um, <laughs> don't shake your head at me, Chaz. Oh no! Um, oh no! It's uh, okay. This guy, this guy has his own stuff. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I think Rogue Studio One, the Mal last minute, is the best. Like the last full action sequence is the best part of the whole movie. Yeah, I mean that that whole third act was almost completely rewritten and because of studio meddling and I I love that third act it works so so well and it was such a good punch in the gut and I just remember leaving that movie being like upset that everybody died but being also being like yeah that was that was a ballsy ending because I I didn't think they would do that <laughs> I didn't think they would pull that off at all it didn't seem like a Disney thing to do so yeah oh, oh didn't up. see that coming losers yep. <laughs> I'm going to go with an oldie. I do agree with Rogue One, though. I do think that um, that is one of my favorite Star Wars movies. Um, but I'm going to go with an oldie and say Goodwill Hunting, because that is actually one of my top five movies. And these two little sarcastic kids write this movie, want to star in this movie, and they want to do almost all of it. Um, and thankfully, Rob Reiner in the studio said, okay, well, let's let's simplify this movie a little bit 
um, and cut out all, like they had a, a ton of crap, like FBI background stories and like all this stuff. But Goodwill Hunting is just this great, fantastic, simple story, you know, and they managed to get the a good director and good actors. And I mean, freaking Robin Williams being in your first film with Gus Van Zandt. Like, mm -hmm. you're going to listen to Rob Reiner. If Rob Reiner um, says something to you, you should listen. And you should follow him on Twitter because he swears a lot and it's hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm going to go with Goodwill Hunting because I think that movie would have been... Um, also, this might be a tie. I didn't know you were going to ask this question, yeah, um, but fa but face off. I was Ooh. I was at film school at USC when Face Off was being made. I met John Woo, one of my favorite directors when it comes to um, action films, and the screenwriters had it being this like way out there, like spacey kind of thing. They rewrote the script seven times, and the studio came in and they just said, "Look." stop with all of this weird gadgetry we're gonna have really good action we're gonna have john travolta we're gonna have <laughs> they're gonna trade places let's just keep it pretty simple they still kind of have you know the science fiction element but it was supposed to be really science fiction and i think i like that i know some people don't like face off i love it so both good picks for different reasons but both very good yeah. picks what Chaz? Yeah. what do you think is there any that you have yeah i'll say i'll say uh Justice League. Oh God! All right, that's the end of the show, everybody. Thank no, you so much. No, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Oh my God! <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> hear me out. Why would you listen to me? Because Justice League you is such a trash. Justice League is such a trash pile movie, and there's so much speculation around it. Like Zack Snyder's gonna be better. I bet you Zack Snyder's version is gonna be fucking worse, and we're gonna be like, wow, maybe the studio had a point. Keep going. Okay, what, else okay. you, what else you got to say about Justice League? That's it. <laughs> no? Oh, okay. No, please, please, please. If I that's the route that you're the going, I, I guess. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm very... The, the thing is... And that was, such a, will that was tell a fake this. answer. Yeah, it was. What if, that was a troll answer right there. That was there. a troll yeah, answer. And, and uh, you wanted this. You asked for it. I don't I have to think. Hold on. Come back to me. Keep talking. Um, Maybe. I, I think most people who have created in any aspect will say that, you know, it's better when somebody comes back and tells you to cut 10 to 15%. That's what mm, you should do. Very true. And I feel like giving Snyder this unlimited palette with unlimited time to do whatever he wants. Oh, I don't know. It's, I, I'm, I'm That's very- That's showing all of the footage from Alfred Hitchcock. That's like taking all yeah. the Hitchcock footage, millions yeah. of minutes and saying, watch this it's gonna be amazing no yeah. it's not gonna be amazing the longer cut of apocalypse now is not better it's worse Chaz? so oh, so i'm i can't I'm, believe you've done this <laughs> you've got me talking about extended cuts now congratulations thank well, you well i'm all that. for extended <laughs> cuts too just for the record if they add to the story but like you know you're saying yeah, if so it doesn't do add to the story it's not gonna fucking do anything well completely different story is the idea yeah i'm 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 curious to see what what uh, uh what that move what what Zack Snyder's Justice League is going to be about, but I will always hold some level of resentment against it because I know people who got death threats over it. I know people who 
had that fandom turn around and try and ruin their lives. So Mm -hmm. I will always have some level of resentment about the fact that we're getting it just because I feel like we gave a win to a bunch of people who really, really shouldn't have got a win. The same goes with Game of Thrones viewers. Like, because look, you can always say that they donated a bunch of money to suicide prevention. There's so many good things, but that doesn't count out the attacks and the craziness coming from the the more vocal side and, and really harassment that was going. It was unfair. And whether this turns out to be good or not, Chaz, is besides the fucking Kate, point Kate, for this Kate, question. To, Kate, to be honest, I don't know if any movies were like studio involvement was good. Mm. I had to throw that. I, I don't know. Like, I wasn't where Star Wars had studio involvement. But it makes yeah. sense because like, do that stop. The Darth Vader scene in that movie makes up like at the very end when he like comes out with like, his lightsaber in the tunnel. That makes up for more than like half that movie because that movie is at the bottom of my list. That's below Phantom Menace for me. Below Solo? I like Solo. That's the thing. I don't. Oh, I didn't God. mind Solo. I know. <laughs> Why did this is this is how we're ending? <laughs> how we're ending today? Like, mm. okay, maybe I'll say you know maybe if this <laughs> you haven't even given a real with, like, answer yet. Christopher, Christopher Nolan movies, you know, because like, he's so out there. Maybe they're like, dude, you got to bring him back down. How's that? Like, whatever fucking movies he's in. No way. Out. Warner Brothers has been letting Christopher what Nolan do yeah, whatever they let the him do whatever. I don't know. Interstellar, Interstellar had no reins on it. Interstellar it did not. Was and that movie sucks because of it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing, is that the fans just need something to blame the suckness on. Mm-hmm. So mm. they're blaming the fact that they don't have the Snyder Cut. Then they're going to get the Snyder Cut, and then they're going to be whiny bitches again about it because it's not going to be any better. And I have to tell you guys something, and it's really hard, but you got to take it in and you got to remember it. Okay. Life is not fair. <laughs> Wear a mask. Say it with me. Life is not fair. Wear your goddamn mask. <laughs> Put a mask on. Stop okay, breathing I, I on do people. Don't lick things outside I do have of your a house. Movie now. I found one. I think anybody who tried to do any reining in on Tommy Wiseau for the room did something good for everyone. Mm. I don't want to see that one hour sex scene that he has. It, that, just, he's like, I have footage. It's just somewhere. He, just right. sent, he sends out Zack Snyder posts. Is it real? Yes. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I have one, okay? Okay. okay. From this website, because I, I don't know the history oh between, behind movies. Um, the Matrix. The Matrix had a lot of studio involvement? The studio inference was executives took matters into their own hands regarding the, just one detail in which the Wachowski's original script as a massive neural network computer that humans are hooked up to. Believing this idea was too difficult to understand, execs instead insisted that it was change. Instead, we're told that humans are being used to generate electricity. It's a really weird one So basically one the to studio like, said that, that we're stupid, and then they said, Yeah, they wanted to dumb it down. Easy. Yeah. I don't know you guys, I'm sorry. I think, yeah, you had to pull from an article. Well, I, I would like to know what people think down below on these. Like, there's a ton of these that have behind-the-scenes stories that we don't know. And like Caitlin said, most of the time people are asking you to cut 15 to 20 minutes, and that's what makes your movie even better. Yeah. So please let us know. I want to thank both of my guests for coming on. Uh, first, Valerie, please tell the people where they can find you and what you're working on with Multiplane and with what movies make us. Uh, movies that, movies make, that us, make us. Uh, you can find us on all the social medias and everywhere that you can find a podcast. Uh, we 
have been, we are like at our hundredths podcast. I think, I don't know, we do a crap ton of them. Uh, Multiplane podcast. We are going to be talking about Tron 3, Phineas and Ferb and Hamilton next week. And you can find us at Multiplane podcast on all of the social medias. And I have a new podcast coming up called Seemingly Appropriate Podcast, where we talk about things that usually people think are inappropriate to talk about. Hey, Ooh. that sounds fun. Please go and check that out. Thank you again for coming on. Caitlin, where, uh, where can the people find you and what's going on with Bleeding Cool News? What are you guys working on today? Or uh, we are just making our way through the various RSS feeds of the world these days. Um, yeah, just check out all of the stuff that all of my writers do. Like, seriously, I have such a great staff and I love editing all of their stuff. I'm hoping every time I go on a podcast, I'm like, I'm going to start writing more. And I, then I end up editing more. But, you know, it's just the way it is. Uh, read my stuff there when I have a chance to write. Follow me on Twitter at Katie's Movies. Listen to me on the Nerd Dome podcast where we just recorded an episode yesterday. And that was, I don't even remember what we talked about because it's been more than 24 hours and my brain stops working. <laughs> Every day is a week, Caitlin. Every day is a week. I don't even know. <laughs> really? Uh, seriously? And, and yeah, Chaz, I'm... I just... Oh, yeah, thank you. Sorry, go ahead. No, I don't have anything else. I hate interrupting people. It's my ADD. It's messing but you up have to tell us what inspired... You said something inspired your your writing. You like you put that in there. Ah. Oh yes, uh, yeah. So write. every every week I make my writers turn in some form of evergreen editorial, and uh, this week my my article that I'm going to write is why the latter Mission Impossible movie slapped so hard. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> See that? That's influence the gaggle of geeks has now. Oh snap! That's where the when you sent me the topic for this, I was like, I what should I write about this week? Because I have like two different. <laughs> I have like two different various editorial series going on, but I didn't feel like doing either of them this week. And I was like, oh, that's a good one. I'm going to do that. Oh, nice. Well, hey, <laughs> I won this week you. is when I watched Howard the Duck for the first time because I'm going to every single one oh, wow. oh. called Marching I'm Through Marvel. It'll be up within the next couple of days. At I've never seen that, so. <laughs> Don't. <gasps> you got to see it. You got to see it so you can read her article and understand it. And plus, there you, you have to. There you go. Chaz, I saw that you just put out your episode of Over and Under Artists Exposed. Where can the people find you? What are you working on? Uh, yeah, you can find me over there. Um, weekly episodes of that being released. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, I have a thing coming up in August where I'll be part of a panel, a, a virtual panel, if you will. So, Very nice. Very nice. Make sure to check us out on PatrickBadyReviews.com. And on all of our platforms, once again, uh, thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you at the next review.